All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Hey guys, welcome back to What Happened, a true crime podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. I'm your host, Kimberly, bringing you lesser-known true crime stories. Oh my goodness, guys, I'm so sorry for not dropping this episode last week, but let me tell you what happened. What happened was... This was like a soul suck, you guys. Like, whenever I talk about the youth doing really dank shit to other people, it really drags on my fucking soul. And also, YouTube had your girl's back because there were like 40 videos in one file pertaining to this case for me to go through, as well as a ton of of articles so just let that sit in the back of your head while we go through this not so longish episode of what had happened to true crime podcast anyways you guys i hope everybody's doing well like i said i've missed you guys Mm, big old virtual hug oh that felt good the sun is shining out here in anywhere usa today i want to thank you all for tuning in in the listenership is amazing the group members have grown you guys are the best thank you so much for telling your friends and your peeps in general to give me a listen and thank you guys for inviting them to our little group too if you haven't joined our little facebook community please be sure to do so you can find links for the what happened facebook group instagram page and twitter account that i don't really twit on in the link below as well as the references for you know the episodes per the usual you know what you can find up in this piece anyways last episode i told you guys about a few killers from detroit who utilized backpage.com to meet their victims this week i will be taking you to danvers massachusetts and telling you what had happened to 24 year old teacher colleen ritzer at the hands of her 14 year old student philip chisholm warning dank shit shit is going to be be talked talked about. about viewer discretion is totally advised you guys or listener i don't know however you whatever long time listener no time caller please don't call me on this um whatever this is this is deplorable all of the dirty shit that this kid did please make sure your children are not listening (sighs) danvers massachusetts has a rich history lying in essex county and on the danvers river near the northeast coast of massachusetts Beholden of rich indigenous culture that dominated the area before colonialism, Danvers was once owned by the Naumkeag tribe. Danvers is in close proximity to Boston and the gorgeous beaches of Gloucester and Revere. But what makes it more interesting is that Danvers was originally known as Salem Village which is most famous historically for its association with the 1692 Salem Witch Trials. About 60 years following the Salem Witch Trials, the name of the town was changed to Danvers, as the community of farmers wished to not share taxes with the socioeconomically and culturally distant fishermen and maritime men merchants of uh, Salem Town, which is now Salem. In the 19th century, 
Danvers was also home to one of the state's psychiatric facilities. Danvers is a small, tight-knit community with a population of 27,400. It's another beautiful snapshot of Americana. I know I've said Norman Rockwell before when I talked about Rita French, but, like, seriously, you guys? Ugh, gorgeous. What wasn't gorgeous is what happened on Tuesday, October 22nd, 2013. On Tuesday, 22nd, 2013, the homes and businesses of Danvers were festively decorated. Connor's Farm Maze, Corn Maze, offering seven acres of maze and farm-themed play areas for patrons. Small children being toted by their parents in red flyer wagons picked the perfect pumpkins for carving at Clark Farm Pumpkin Patch. Halloween and fall were in the air crimson rust and amber leaves falling from trees like glitter dancing along the streets with the slightest breeze it was a normal day approximately 950 students spanned 9th through 12th grade faculty and staff buzzed and milled about the high school Having a smaller student body lent to more intimate class settings, with an average of 19 students in each class and 13 students for every teacher. Danvers High School had just recently installed 140 cameras in all around the entire school in and out. It was Buddy's Day and 24-year-old Colleen Ritzer wore purple, wore a purple sweater and black pants to match her colleagues. This was Colleen's second year as a teacher. Colleen was prepared to spend the day just as she had spent many days before this one educating and mentoring the high schoolers of Danver High School. Colleen, along with a group of other teachers, were freshman mentors who checked in on the freshman students to see how they were transitioning from from middle school to high school and helped, if needed, taking special interest in students new to the community especially. I myself was a senior buddy in high school. Um, I remember my senior year, I had a group of, I don't even know, maybe four or five freshman students. Don't I'm so sorry, I don't remember you guys. I've met a lot of people in my life. But I do remember the first day of school, having a group of freshmen handed over to me as a senior but also knowing what it was like to be um the new kid on the block because it I've had many first days of school where I was the new kid at a school where people were established so it's really cool that the teachers were interacting with the students trying to make sure that the freshmen were assimilating and basically that's what I was doing as well you know like they would come up to me at my locker and you know it was an open door policy with me if I was in school side eye um you know if you needed something or you had a question you know or whatever ask me it's the way life is for me still but anyways that was a sidebar um I think that the shadowing etiquette is pretty cool and I also think that checking in on your students especially your freshmen transitioning from middle school to high school is huge transitioning from being a student that is new to the area as well can be even more 
cumbersome. So, 14-year-old Philip Chisholm arrived at school wearing a blue hoodie and jeans. He had also brought to school with him that day a ski mask, a pair of gloves, and a box cutter. The school day had been an uneventful, mundane Tuesday. Colleen had taught ninth grade math throughout the day. And at just after one, her final math class was underway, and one of the freshman students in her class was Philip Chisholm. So, unlike most of the student body who had grown up in the Massachusetts town of Danvers or that area, Philip had just recently moved with his mother and sisters from Clarksville, Tennessee. You see, over many years, Philip's parents maintained a difficult and tumultuous marriage that resulted in a few separations. There were a couple of filings for divorce, um, a history of mental illness for his mother, Diana, that crippled her, and claims of abuse at the hands of his father, Stacy, which subsequently resulted in Diana and her children relocating frequently. Danvers became another place on the map to call home as Diana and her children had moved approximately eight times over the course of the separation of Diana and Stacy Chisholm. Diana and her children were living with a family member who lived in Danvers at the time in a basement apartment within this family member's home. In the two months that Philip had been a freshman and a resident of Danvers, he had made a small group of friends, and he also played soccer at Danvers High School. After school, Philip could usually be found practicing on the field, but he didn't show up on October 22nd. No, no, no. On this particular day, instead of attending soccer practice, Philip stalked his teacher, who stayed after hours to help any students who were struggling or needed additional help and committed heinous acts upon her. So, I just jumped a little bit, but classmates would state that at the beginning of the school year, Philip was an outgoing um, kid, but they noticed that he began to withdraw. They Philip went from being very excited, engaging, and talkative with his new friends, and he was, you know, trying to get to know them, and then suddenly, Philip became quiet and removed. Uh, it was the quiet, raw Philip that sat in Colleen Ritzer's math class. At one point during the math class, Colleen asked Philip how he was adjusting to Danvers and asked about Tennessee. It's thought that the mention of Tennessee reminded Philip of his parents' acrimonious divorce, whatever abuse there was. I'm not going to speculate, but you know, it's thought that that was the trigger. A classmate noticed that Philip was becoming agitated by the line of questioning and Colleen initially was not getting that she was oblivious and I hate to say oblivious but she was it, it wasn't snap it was she wasn't realizing it but when she did realize she quickly changed the course of conversation with Philip after the math class Colleen stayed behind to give additional help to some students if you know there were any that needed it Instead of going to soccer practice, Philip decided to stay after, and there was one other student there. 
Throughout the course of the time in the after-school session, Philip remained quiet and withdrawn. Now, a timeline provided primarily by the school's camera system gives us detailed information as to what had happened to Colleen at the hands of Philip. Before 3 p.m., fellow co-worker and friend Sarah Giaquinta stopped by Colleen's classroom. Sarah Giaquinta was also a math teacher who was in her second year. They had both got hired at the same time. So they, you know, became like work besties and probably besties in real life too, I would assume. Um, she had observed that, you know, like they'd, they would normally do this thing where they would check in with one another at the end of school and, you know, basically either like make plans or discuss whatever they need to talk about, you know, a little kiki sesh. Well, Sarah stopped by Colleen's classroom. When she did this, she observed that there were two students in the classroom. So they step outside of the room and, you know, she didn't want to take Colleen's time from her, but Colleen told Sarah that she wasn't. And in fact, she had no idea why Philip was even in the classroom at that time after, you know, after school because he was an exceptional student. The girl that was in the classroom was just drawing on the board. So, again, like, she had no idea what Philip was even doing there. The two parted ways, and Colleen re-entered her classroom. At 2.54 p.m., Colleen walked from her classroom, 8209, to the second floor girl's bathroom. One minute later, a person appears on camera with a hood pulled over his head, donning gloves actually he was putting on gloves i watched this fucking video he is walking down the hallway let me paint this picture for you he's walking down the hallway and he kind of like looks and then he like pops back into the classroom for a second and then he pulls his hoodie up it's like you know like an aqua blue sky blue color whatever not like light light blue but like baby blue whatever okay it's blue he pulls on his blue hoodie and you can see the cameras changing every time he hits a different part of a corridor and you can see him pulling on gloves back to the script one minute later he appears on camera with the hood pulled over he's putting on his gloves and he's following colleen into the bathroom at 306 p.m you can see a female student literally she like walked in and then she ran right back out so this is how close to the door let's just put this let me put this into frame for you this is how close to the door colleen and philip were because the young lady who walked into the bathroom and exited immediately would later say that she walked into the bathroom and saw a pair of nude dark darker complected butt cheeks and a pile of clothes on the floor and exited immediately with embarrassment thinking someone was dressing in the bathroom at 3.07 p.m., the person who followed Colleen into the bathroom is seen exiting. Now, it actually looks as if he walks right out, right behind the girl, but there's actually like a minute there in between um, the video that I saw. During the next several minutes, you can see Philip. It is visibly Philip, so I'm not even going to keep saying the same person. You can you can see for the next several minutes, Philip is seen walking in and out of the school he changes his clothes he goes from wearing the hoodie to wearing a t-shirt to wearing a red jacket to taking the red jacket off and then he's wearing the white t-shirt with a fucking black ski mask over his head 
Um, you can see him running around the exterior of the school. You can see him get stopped a couple of times by his one of his friends who was like, bro, what the fuck? Why aren't you in soccer practice? And he, you, you could also see him trying to like skirt people away from the bathroom because he knew he had work to do. You also see him locating uh, at 322 while wearing the ski mask, dragging a recycling bin into an elevator and out towards the student park. Well, wait, I skipped it. Hold on a second. You can see him walking in and out. He's changing his clothes. And then you can see him dragging a recycling bin into the second floor girl's bathroom that he was seen entering and exiting earlier um, on the heels of his teacher, Colleen Reiser. So, and... At about 3.22, the same person, a.k.a. Philip, is in the ski mask and he's dra- seen dragging the recycling bin into an elevator and out towards the student parking lot. At 3.30, a student's mother said that she saw Philip running away from the school campus. And you can see it on the camera where he's like running a- around a lot. Like he is hauling ass and kicking up dust. Like I believe he even ran past like a faculty member at one point, and I'm pretty sure she probably just thought, "Oh, this silly kid left his book bag somewhere." But yeah, he did. He left his book bag. He left all of his shit, and he had to go back and he had to clean up his mess. So this I did not document within this, but I do recall this from the um, trial. So at some point and i'll get to it i'm gonna try to stay with continuity but there's a point that i'm gonna have to mention in here in a moment okay because again remember i said he had a box cutter so at 3 30 a student's mother said she saw philip running away from from the school campus she relayed this information to the principal at 6 p.m now at about 6 30 p.m when philip didn't return home from school and soccer practice his mother diana became immediately alarmed diana called the danvers police department and reported philip missing hours had passed since her son was expected home and she was nervous after driving to the high school to see if her son had lost track of time and was just playing soccer or something she didn't see him panic set in when she couldn't find him there or with his friends Police immediately took action. When the news of Philip being missing got distributed, Danvers High School principal Sue Ambrosovich sent a mass email at 9 p.m. alerting the Danvers High School community that Philip was missing. Shortly after sending the mass email, Principal Ambrosovich received word from Sergia Quinta informing her that Colleen Ritzer's parents told her that Colleen was missing. Now, Colleen lived in nearby Andover, Andover, Andover. So, alarmed, Sarah, now alarmed that both Colleen and Philip were missing, you know, she informed Principal Ambrosovich that she'd seen Philip in Colleen's classroom after school that day. So, Principal Ambrosovich informed local police of this discovery and, along with others, searched the high school for Colleen and possibly Philip. Now, remember how I told you about those 140 cameras? Okay, well, we could have figured out what the fuck happened at 9 p.m. or so if we knew how to operate and view all of 
the 140 cameras at the time that we went to the school. But we didn't have that information immediately. It took just a little bit of time, but not a lot of time. Chef, don't judge, okay? You gotta learn sometime, okay? It would be better if it was, you know, we were going over fire drills and stuff like that, or lockdown, you know, like safety shutdowns, all that, whatever it is that you do as a school, but you know, sometimes shit pops off and you gotta learn baptism by fire, right? Okay, so I'm not blaming the people of the school for not knowing how to view the cameras at the time. Or whomever it was that was supposed to view the fucking cameras at the time. Okay. But, now hear me out. Upon arrival to the school, Colleen's car was immediately located in the parking lot. Colleen's parents decided after discovering this to report their daughter missing at approximately 11.20pm. Also, and this is something that needs to be added somewhere here in the timeline here. There's a janitorial staff. There was something going on where there was a loss of translation between the janitorial staff and administration. Because when the janitorial staff walked into the second floor girls' restroom, they saw a lot of blood all over the place. And the miscommunication was what to do. And so the janitor the janitorial staff janitorial staff janitorial janitorial staff cleaned it up. Um because I don't know. It was a miscommunication. Alright? So they get to the school, nothing seems amiss except for the fact that this child is missing and this teacher's car is still at the school. So immediately police contacted Colleen's cell phone provider shout out to Danvers fucking police department like I feel like they're literally I mean like I feel like no I'm pretty sure that this town only had like a very you know there's a very small amount of people on this is a very small town so they've got a very small police force to work with as well as you know in the local communities that surround so shout out to them for being able to get what they needed and shout out to the cell phone provider more of you if you aren't all being compliant immediately need to do so this was 2013 and we were getting fucking information within minutes don't tell us the shit can't be done more lives could be saved if you know people gave up the goods am i wrong anyways they got, you know, the, they contacted the provider to try to locate her and potentially Philip. And the, the cell phone provider was able to ping Colleen's last phone location to the local middle school. So while this is happening in Danvers, approximately five miles away in the neighboring town of Topsfield, at about 12.30 a.m. on October 23rd, an officer responded to a call of a young male walking along the side of the road at Route 1 North and Salem Road. The responding officer, Officer Hovey, would quickly identify the young man along the road as being the missing Danvers teenager, Philip Chisholm, he'd learned about earlier through social media, a reverse 911 call, and enroll call, but he had no idea that he'd found Philip initially because Philip was taller 
and appeared older than a 14-year-old. When Philip was found, he initially failed to identify himself. When asked if he had identification, Philip said no. When asked where he was going, Philip responded, nowhere. When asked where he was coming from, Philip said, Tennessee. Okay, I didn't put this in the script, but I'm going to tell you exactly where the fuck the little shit was at. Philip went to BJ's and stole a knife. Philip also used Colleen's credit card to pay for a movie. Okay, there you go. Philip was said to have been looking straight ahead, making no eye contact, as if Officer Hovey wasn't even there. It was late at night and dark. And, I mean, not racially profiling or anything like that, but you have a I can understand when you've got a suspicious male who happens to be an African-American or person of color, a suspicious person of color, a suspicious male, a suspicious person on the side of the road, right? They don't want to give you any identification. They're giving you one-word answers, okay? He actually felt fearful for his, for his life. And so, you know what? Officer Hovey did the right thing. He called for backup. Okay, because he was alone and he was concerned for his safety. But he did also conduct a pat frisk. Why? Because he was concerned for his safety. Upon patting Philip down, Officer Hovey said that he felt something that might have been some form of identification in one pocket. Again, it's a pat frisk. They're not reaching hands into pockets, okay? And a two-inch long hard object in the other now suspicious about that id feeling type material in the one pocket and even more frightfully suspicious because of what could be a potential weapon in the other you know pocket officer hovey waited for the other night officer officer d bernardo to arrive when officer d bernardo arrived he spotted a drawstring backpack that philip was carrying also at this time i don't remember which one of the officers but i believe it was officer d bernardo he's the one who noticed that there was blood on philip's shoes and his shirt okay so when he inquired what was in the backpack, Philip told the officers it contained survival gear, still avoiding eye contact with both officers. When the responding officer asked Philip whose blood was on him, he calmly said, the girl. The officer then asked Philip if the person whose blood he was covered in could still be helped, to which Philip responded, no. In Philip's possession were a box cutter, Colleen's driver's license and credit cards, as well as a pair of women's turquoise panties and that knife that he stole from BJ's and a ticket stub. Philip initially told police that he had found the belongings in a gas station bathroom, only later to say that only later to say he took them from his teacher's car. So Topsville police then placed Philip under arrest. Now in the wee hours of October 23rd, also, Diana Chisholm was brought down to the Danvers police station and interviewed in an attempt 
to get Diana to convince Philip to disclose the whereabouts of Colleen Ritzer. Because at this point, we've got our Topsfield Police Department informing Danvers that, first of all, we're elated that we've got Philip back, but there's some trouble afoot. And the two police stations didn't really communicate as far as Colleen's miss, you know, being fought. You know, she literally had just been the the missing report had just been filed like about an hour before Philip was found. So there was a lot of miscommunication because, you know, like they were getting word that there was a body found there was a kid missing there was a teacher missing nobody knew what was going on there was a lot of miscommunication so anywho like we've arrested well we've taken i don't want to say arrested but we've taken philip into custody because he admitted to having all of colleen's stuff in his possession pardon me i need to take a quick sip And then we also have the missing person ship. We have this kid covered in blood. We've got this kid with weapons on him. So we get the mom down to the Danvers police station. And we interview her. In an attempt to get Diana to convince Philip to disclose the whereabouts of his teacher. And she was said to be veering she was said to be veering between eagerness to assist police while also wanting to protect her son. Which is natural. Okay, except for this, I'm going to tell you right now, in anywhere USA, my kids know I got your back, but you do some super stupid fuck shit, and I'm going to let the law handle you. Mommy ain't doing time for no fuck shit. That's just me. Anyways, so I can understand that but I also you know have backed my kids up too like if there's a bully I'm like yo back up off my kid even better where's your mommy because I'm gonna talk to her because she's probably a bully too and I'm gonna teach her what happens you know when bullies bully children you know parents have to talk to other parents you know that kind of thing there's that level you know for those of you listeners who don't have kids like you know for those of us who do there's a level of wanting to protect your children but there's also that line of knowing if your kid fucks up your kid fucks up and they need to own up to that shit so she told police that she understood how people's rights could get quote screwed up describing to them her previous employment with the tennessee child protective services department Diana also asked if there was a need for her to retain legal counsel for herself. Diana beamed as she described how exceptionally intelligent, kind, and a great soccer player her son Philip was. Diana told officers that Philip's normal weekday routine was to go to school, soccer, and then come home. When told that her son was in custody, Diana said that she knew and then asked, quote, is he under arrest did he hurt somebody quote as a mom you keep thinking who would he hurt she then said quote please don't tell me somebody's dead oh my god i'm gonna pass out is it is it a freshman teacher diana initially thought it was philip's spanish teacher as he disliked her immensely quote he doesn't like the spanish teacher diana said 
Diana would also later admit to not actually knowing what Philip had been doing for the last two weeks after school when he was supposed to be at soccer practice. She told officers she could get stuff out of him, but at the moment she was concerned for her son. She also told officers that he was, quote, capable of snapping. She recounted her family's history of mental illness, but there was never violence associated with the other family members who suffered. But she also told officers about, you know, a fight in seventh grade where Philip had been in trouble for smacking another child in the face. Diana said, quote, as a mom, you see some signs. This is so true. Diana reeled back and said that her son was a juvenile and had a right to legal representation while officers contended that they just wanted to find Colleen and the truth. So here's what we know. Because not to say that I'm bored with this, but he attempted to rape his teacher. He, 14-year-old Philip Chisholm, stalked his teacher for whatever reason, okay? He might have been triggered. He might not have been, okay? It might have been premeditated as fuck. Now, to walk into a school with a ski mask, different sets of clothing to change into, a pair of gloves, and a backpack, that's what we call a go bag, okay? That is reminiscent of, I believe it's Israel Keys from Alaska, that motherfucker had go bags all over the country, if memory serves me correctly, from places that he randomly went to and just dropped a go bag, a kill bag, that's a kill bag, okay, where he could go and commit a random murder and then leave and nobody would know who did it, okay, it's a 14 year old premeditatedly bringing a box cutter, gloves, a ski mask, two different uh, outerwear being a hoodie and a jacket, a t-shirt. You know, he brought shit to school to commit a murder. I highly doubt that just the mere mention of Tennessee is what Fuck this kid up. I believe this kid was already planning on killing somebody. She just happened to be the one that got it that day. Okay. Um, I don't. I think that if it wasn't her, it could have potentially been the Spanish teacher. Just going off of what Diana said. Okay. So, as I said, that's what we know. He followed her into the bathroom. He attempted to rape her, but he was interrupted by the female student who, you know, turned around and exited. He also, you know, tried to slit her throat in that fucking bathroom. He thought that he had killed her, so he had to get back there and move the body, you know, conceal the crime. He goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. He takes her body to a wooded area. And, you know, that's where she lay until she's discovered the following morning. Okay? That's what, and what he did to her was he attempted to rape her, 
with his penis. And then, when he got her in that wooded area, he penetrated her vagina with the fucking stick. This is why I'm trying to fucking speed this shit up, because I'm really grossed out by this. So, anyways, here's what we know. 14-year-old Philip Chisholm was tried as an adult in the state of Massachusetts for the rape, murder, and robbery of his 24-year-old math teacher, Colleen Ritzer. Philip's counsel would claim that their client suffered from psychosis, asserting that Philip heard voices in his head that commanded him to commit the the atrocious act he committed against his teacher, while the state would say that Philip was a cold-blooded, premeditated murderer who came to school prepared to commit the crimes he committed. The state would also present psychologists who would say that he wasn't suffering from psychosis, but was faking based on Philip's demeanor on camera and the calculated steps he took to conceal and change his wardrobe, just as I said before, during the crime, as well as all of the steps he took to commit the murder and discard of the body. Like I said, there are 40 YouTube videos in the description box for you if you want to go down that rabbit hole, but beware. Sidebar. Also, during the course of his time awaiting trial, June 10th, 2014, Philip also attempted to assault a youth counselor. Philip took steps to elude the cameras in eyes of other staffers. With a sharpened pencil, he watched as a female counselor walked off to the locker room. Philip took off his flip-flops to avoid detection and followed her to the locker room where he choked her and beat her before other staffers were able to come to her aid and restrain him. While he was tried separately for that attack on the counselor, it was an example of the calculating, you know, the calculation and disregard that Philip held for anyone but himself. The jury found Philip guilty on all counts and sent and the judge sentenced him to life in prison with the possibility of parole after 25 years as well as two concurrent 40-year sentences for the rape and robbery of his teacher Colleen Ritzer. So what had happened is this I got a couple of vibes off of this that were reminiscent of the detachment that, for instance, Doug French had in our recently pulled first episode that was, you know, put out there. For those of you who have listened to all of the episodes, you'll know what I'm talking about. There's a disassociation. Um, There are layers to what Philip did. And you know what I also did, you guys? I skipped a part because I skipped more of my script. I hate to keep saying meanwhile, but, you know, as I said, there's a lot of similarities to the French case. Oh, you know, I did. So here's where I fucked up, you guys. My script got jacked. What I didn't talk about was the discovery of Colleen's body. Because that was happening when the sun came up. So it was probably around the same time that Diana Chisholm was actually being interviewed by officers. So this is what happened. (sighs) The grisly discovery of Colleen's body was made during the search of the high school property and the wooded area adjacent to the property. 
Her body was found in a supine position, which means her body was flat and she was on her back facing the sky. She was covered with leaves and debris in an attempt to conceal her body. Colleen's throat had been slit and as I said before, she'd been raped with a stick. The recycling bin Philip used to transport Colleen's body was found 20 yards away from her body. The crime scene also yielded the discovery of clothing and other belongings that had been discarded throughout the wooded area in close proximity to Colleen, including a blood, the, the blood-soaked gloves Philip was seen wearing in the October 22nd video. Near the body of Colleen Ritzer was a folded-up piece of paper. When the crime scene officer unfolded the piece of paper, he found it was a handwritten note that read simply, I hate you all. So now let's roll that back to what we were discussing before. I believe that Philip harbored a lot of hatred towards a lot of people. And I also believe that Philip was a good actor. I believe that he was a wonderful chameleon. He was able to maintain a low profile and keep people out of his real thoughts, what was really going on in his head, his dark, deep-seated thoughts, you know, these proclivities, everything that he wanted to, you know, do. Because I do believe that, you know, murderers and serials, and you gotta fucking start somewhere. And if you have a bloodlust, or a hatred or something that pushes you towards that level of violence towards animals or you know beating up your siblings bullying neighborhood kids you know there's a gamut of shit you know there's a whole fucking list of what will make you a serial killer but I feel like this child was an amazing actor because at 14 years old he had his he had everybody snowed for all intents and purposes. They all felt like, you know, he was the boy next door and he never no he could never have done anything wrong. So when he did snap, it was automatically, oh well, it just has to be the family mental illness. But his own grandfather testified, his mother testified, you know, other people testified that while his mother's family suffered from a long history of mental illness, violence was never a part of their mental issues. It was a lot of depression. That kind of stuff. Um, you know, I'm not going to say watching your parents fight is what's going to make you a murderer because I also don't know what he witnessed in his home growing up. You know, a lot of people looked back and said, oh, he was such a good child. You know, I never had any problems with him playing with my children or him being in my home and he was a fixture. You know, that's called acting. If you premeditatedly showed up to school with a kill bag with all of these things to commit a murder and then you attack a youth counselor afterwards and you're on regimented fucking meds at this point 
okay there's that that was also noted okay he was already regimented on meds because he said he had suffered from psychosis so he's on meds at this point and he's not supposed to be a problem right but you go and you physically attack a youth counselor in a similar fashion as to no bro what the fuck are you doing uh so i'm sorry i really wish that it could have been fucking a life sentence without the possibility of parole because in my opinion and it's my own personal opinion please don't at me in my own personal opinion because this young man has dis- displayed a pattern of aggression and assault especially towards women especially towards women who yield authority over him he is going to continually be a menace to goddamn society please don't fucking at me he needs to be elsewhere where he can be monitored and away from the general public whoo okay guys that's it i don't know if you guys noticed we got ads now like shit's changing right i don't want to talk anymore about philip chisholm i'm really irritated by this young man and his actions i'm really disgusted by what he did by snuffing out the young life of his teacher she had a promising career she had a great life it was uncalled for he had the potential to be an amazing person he could have been the most one of the most productive members of society we will never know what he could have been because he snuffed out his own future and all potentiality for greatness because he did some of the most disgusting vile shit i have ever heard a child doing to another adult i can't even fucking fathom that you rape your teacher you fucking murder her and then you essentially sodomize her but whatever i don't even know what the technical term for that is because i'm not a gynecologist and i'm not a fucking criminologist but what the fuck chuck anyways that's what happened ew bad boy horrible do better people let's be better humans let's just be awesome and i'm gonna you know (sighs) you know see you guys next week with a hopefully less traumatic what happened bye guys